Since the early 1980s, hard-hitting bands such as Petra, Striper, White Cross, and Bloodgood would forever change the boundaries of Christian music. The Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast brings commentary, analysis, and guest speakers from today's and yesterday's top artists and bands. Now, Podbean.com brings you The Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast with your host, Sean Fagan. He's the rock, the rock that makes me roll, rock in the world. Well, all right. Hello, all. Thanks again for tuning in to another Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast. As always, I am your host, Sean Fagan. I am so honestly grateful that you're here listening to this. Without you, this podcast would not be possible. Um, Each and every day, I am just blown away by the amount of people that continue to pick up the podcast and listen to it. The numbers are staggering, and I just cannot thank you all enough. It's such a blessing to be able to be a part of what all these groups and and individual artists are doing together, and I am just so thankful that I am able to be a little part of the ministries that they have and hopefully get some word out with what all they have going on. It's just, it's it's a phenomenal feeling. So again, thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, this podcast is free, and I have no intention of changing that anytime soon. I want everyone to be able to hear what's going on, and I want it to uh, be a, a constant um, source for these bands and artists to come to. Overall... Uh, talking to the artists, so far, everybody has been thrilled with the way these podcasts have turned out, and I hope to continue to get good feedback from these artists. I hope that what I'm doing in some way, in some, way some small way, helps them out. Today on the podcast, we have Dave Pearson from the band Blist, David's Band Blist has been around for quite some time now. You'll hear us talk somewhat about our time together that I got to spend with him. Probably about eight years ago, I got a chance to actually hang with with Dave and his band. I was working with a band called Power Source at the time and was doing quite a bit of stuff for them. And I got the opportunity to hang backstage with, with Blist what a bunch of phenomenal guys. I'll never forget that time I got to spend with them. A lot of fun. A lot of good talk. And Dave's still a wonderful guy. Uh, some of the band lineup since then has changed. They uh, have gone from a four-piece to a five-piece. Some of the guys that were originally in the band are no longer there. The new guys they have in are doing a phenomenal job. You're going to hear us talk quite a bit about his new album called Wicked Little Dragons, and that is a concept album that Dave came up with. He's also, you're going to hear him talk not only about that, but about all the other, he's got three other albums already done and just sitting there waiting to uh, come out, but they have a plan for that. So any of you Blist fans listening, you have a roller coaster ride of phenomenal music coming your way. 
just a side note, David has given me permission to use three of his brand new songs in their entirety on this podcast. So I'm going to play one of the old songs, and then I'm going to have three of the brand new songs. And I want to thank David so much for allowing me to to use these songs on this podcast. It's such an honor to be able to bring these songs to you in their entirety uh, first before anyone else has had a chance to hear it. So I hope you guys love these songs. Uh, I certainly totally love these songs. I'm totally into them. So I I want everybody else to get the opportunity to hear them, and uh, we'll be playing those for you here in a little bit also. I don't remember if on the last podcast we talked about uh, Striper's new album, Fallen, but Striper is doing a wonderful, wonderful job with this new album. They are at the, probably, I think, the, the, the top of, of their career right now. This album is just blowing away everybody. It's, 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 it's in the charts everywhere. If you get a chance... Go to YouTube, listen to some of the tunes that are there on YouTube from the album Fallen. Check out their website, check out uh, their Facebook pages. The guys are all over. Michael's constantly tweeting. Check them out and uh, get a chance buy the album. It is well, well worth the money spent. I also wanted to let everybody know that we have several other podcasts coming up. I have uh, Jeremy Camp's drummer, uh, Leif Scartland, will be on next week or the week after. Depends on how, whether or not I can get it up next week or not, or if I have to wait till the following week. Um, I am on a restricted amount of time that I can put these on. I'm looking at updating that, though, so I can put more of the uh, podcast up in the course of a month so as that changes i'll let you guys know but as of right now it's probably going to be two weeks from the time this one's released we will have leaf scartland on here we talked a lot about everything leaf has going on about being in jeremy camp's band about uh, his own personal projects so i encourage you to check that out here in a couple weeks uh I, I did get confirmation that we will also have Billy Smiley from the band Whiteheart. Uh, they've kind of been trying to get started off and on for the last, I'm guessing, probably four or five years. Uh, looked like they were off to a pretty good start this past year, and um, suddenly something happened and they quit. Uh, with what they had going on. So I'm not sure what's going on with that, but uh, I'll get an opportunity to talk with Billy Smiley, kind of chat with him about his current projects he has going on, about his producing he does. Uh, We'll talk some about Whiteheart and uh, just kind of uh, get the opportunity to kind of maybe get a feel for for what happened and where, if anything, uh, in the future the band may have going on. So I encourage you to please check that out. That'll be, you know, a few weeks from from now, so definitely check that out, uh, and I will keep you up to date as we have more and more artists that are signing up. 
Uh, I am currently working also on trying to get MacPal of Third Day on here. And as soon as I get confirmation of that, you guys will be the first to know. So without further ado, I will be right back with David Pearson from the band Blist. The Rock That Makes Me Roll Podcast. That was Bliss' version of Eleanor Rigby off of their new album, Wicked Little Dragons. I am excited and honored to have on the phone with me today David Pearson from the band Blist. David is the lead singer and founder of the band. I am so excited to be able to talk to him today. Hey Dave, how's it going, bud? I'm doing very well. Excellent, man. It's been a while since uh, since I've uh, actually talk to you it's been like eight years since i saw you uh with uh power source i never stopped flying yeah you aren't kidding man you aren't kidding so um if you're ready to get started yep okay i'd like to talk a little bit about yourself today kind of where you came from um how you got into the music business and how you got where you're at right now and and you can you know kind of you know 
take it whatever direction you want, start where you want, and uh, I'm not going to dig real deep, but I would like to like to have a little idea of how you got where you're at. Yeah, well, you feel free to dig deep as you want. Okay, but, uh, man. Appreciate <laughs> I'll, it. I'll run with that a little bit. Um, for, for where I came from and how I got into music, um, when I was growing up, uh, my parents were, like, really, really supportive of what, whatever it is I was uh, into. And uh, But there was always music playing at home, like always, all different styles. You know, I, I grew up on whatever my parents listened to, obviously. And that was, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, Zeppelin, Van Halen, uh, the Guess Who, and right into, like, up, like Rod Stewart, just about anything. And uh, I had an aunt that uh, introduced me to Kiss and Alice Cooper, and, uh, yeah, and that was kind of the end of it for me. Uh, I was uh, I was set on a trajectory, and my parents were cool with it, which was awesome. Uh, and so, like I said, my, my dad was, like, super cool about it. Like, he'd take me to show. The first concerts I ever went to, my dad took me, took me to them. And a lot of people go with their buddies. I actually went to most of the concerts when I was younger with my dad because uh, he wanted... Uh, he wanted to make sure I was exposed to everything I could be musically and uh, and not in any danger while I did it. So he was uh, he put himself into some interesting situations for a dad. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine my dad festivals and can't imagine my dad taking me to concerts. Man, that would be. I'm sorry, that would be that. My dad going the the hardest thing my dad's gone to was when Petra reunited here recently. I finally dragged him into <laughs> one of those, dude. So. <laughs> Yeah, I know. My my dad was, uh, you know, I, I was front stage mosh pit, and he was four rows back. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. He was, he, was, he was really cool that way. <laughs> um, but he was the one also, uh, we, when we started going to church, um, he was the one who he came home one day and basically said, hey, I got you this uh, for your birthday present and took me to a striper concert. So uh, from wow. that day on, you know, I had a striper logo on my pencil case and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was a was a huge fan you know and uh he was so that that that's how i got into music it just it was always there i can't remember a, a time when uh it wasn't a big part of my life because it was just always there in evidence and uh i i had to thank my parents for that and then when i decided what i wanted to do that i wanted music to be part of my future you know, the same thing. My dad went and bought me a, a guitar, and he bought me a bass, he bought me an amp for each, said, here, start drooling around with that, see what you like. He he got me a six-channel PA, so if you're going to join a band, I want you to practice, and like, just super, super supportive. And uh, and it was all it was all fun, because, you know, he didn't know what I want, so some of the gear was questionable, so, you know, I'd strap on a guitar, and uh, stand in front of a mic and get borderline electrocuted, because it was grounding issues or anything else. <laughs> But uh, but I got my feet wet with guitar, bass, drums, vocals, and uh, and and all with my parents backing it up. So uh, you know, it was I, I got to admit I was real blessed that way, and that's how I uh, how I found myself uh, immersed in music for sure. That's cool. Now, from there, where did you did you play in bands before uh, you got involved with Bliss? Did you have other bands that you were involved with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the first band it was in was a band called uh, King's Ransom, and uh, it was uh, there was another guy in, in the neighborhood, and it's the same thing where there was a, uh, you know, there was a handful of guys, and a lot of us kind of knew each other. But it's like any any town, you, you kind of stumble onto someone, and you're like, hey, how you doing? You 
you kind of strike up a conversation and, and you find out that he's a drummer and he's, you know, putting together a band. It's like, how, how did I not know this guy? And that's what happened with me. It was Craig and Joe, the two guys that I met. And I was, I don't know, I was 16, 17 years old. And, uh, they were looking for a singer, and at that point, I had never, I'd never been a lead vocalist, but I, I really wanted to get with some like-minded guys and and start moving forward with the band. So I said, oh, "I'll audition," and it's funny because they said, "Well, you look the part, so let's go for this." <laughs> and uh, two two weeks later, you know, we were we were jamming and starting to write songs, and that that's the first band I was in. And the funny thing is, even though I've been in three or four bands. Um, they all kind of led from one to the other because the first band I was in was with those guys, and then it kind of it, it melted into a different version, and we just changed the name slightly, and then it uh, it it changed a little bit further, and we ended up to, we figured you know what there's only two of us the same this is a new band so we changed our name to Static and we put out a record, and that was a uh, that was our first like real experience like industry wise. Uh, we were like we were playing with Guardian. We did some shows with those guys. We played with Bride, and we were we were kind of doing our thing regionally. Like we were maybe like three hours from home at the most, and kind of making waves and playing the local high schools and stuff. And we were having a great time. And we made a record, uh, recorded it at a studio up here, and went down to Nashville and mixed it with Jerry McNeely. With great experience, learned a ton down at the Sound Kitchen doing that. Put that record out. And within a year, grunge had taken over the world, and uh, we uh, we kind of dusted a little bit for about six, eight months trying to figure out, did we want to change who we are, because that seemed kind of fake, because we were rock guys to the heart, you know what I mean? And shoegazing just wasn't what we did on stage, it just wasn't us. And uh, so we had to like shake it up, and we discovered what it is we wanted to do, and started to move forward. It was just one stumble after another. And that's when I, I just, I had the, the idea. I was like, you know what I'd love to do? I, I literally was bottle fed on Striper, so to speak. I want, I want to get a hold of Robert Sweet. I want him to guest on our, our next recording. I want him to, if we're going to make a CD, I want him to play on two of the songs. So I, uh, I went out and put myself in places that I knew he was. <laughs> uh, they were, they were doing, uh, they were doing Cornerstone. They reunited and did a Cornerstone show, and I made sure I showed up backstage. We, we were, uh, I'd been to Cornerstone many times, and I, I loved it, so it was a great trip anyway. And I made sure I was there, and made sure I introduced myself to Robert, and did the thing. And then uh, they did that Striper Expo thing, and I, uh, I got a table, set up for the band, started pitching what we were doing, and Robert came by and said, hey, how you doing? And see you again, and and then they were doing the expo again the next year. So this is all spanning over like a, a, about an eighteen month period. I actually like made sure I dropped myself into Robert's path like three times <laughs> in that period. And then I just I got a hold of him, and uh, I, I think it was backstage at an event. And I said, "Listen, I I, I know we've run into each other four or five times. I I really want to talk to you about uh, seeing if you'd guest on our our next recording." He said, "Here's my number. Give me a call." And within a couple of weeks, we had it organized. Uh, and that is the lineup that eventually became Blissed. Because once we started doing stuff, and there was the lineup change, and there was, again, it was, it, it was only two members the same from Static, 
we sat down and said, you know what, we got to we got to change the name. This is a new band, and we got to treat it. So, so it's funny because I've I've been in four bands, but they all kind of just kind of turned into another one <laughs> slowly. It was like an evolution of bands. So that's uh, that's how it is. So it, I've uh, yeah, I guess four bands. That's awesome. And how did it change? I guess how did it morph from the lineup you had with Michael Sweet? I, I know when I saw you, I think you guys had just got and I, forgive me, I don't remember his name. The the drummer that uh, um, that followed Michael. I think you guys had just obtained him during that tour. Um, how did it you change? Mean Robert. Robert. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry I said you, Michael. You, just yeah. for a second, you confused me because uh, <laughs> I was like. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I meant Robert. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yes. How 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 has it morphed from then to where it's at now? Well, I can explain exactly how things went with Robert because actually a lot of people uh, have been told different variations, and, and it's funny. That's in, exactly in, why in I'm asking how it works. And and there's you know, I, I for a while there I, I jump online and I was from Texas, then I was from Florida, I was from Las Vegas. Robert and I knew each other since we were kids, which is humorous because like. He's my senior by many years. Right, right. Uh, and it was just, there were so many variations on the story. And I've, I've told it a few times, and, and I can guarantee this is it because I lived it. Basically, it's exactly like I said. I contacted him. I wanted him to play on a couple songs. We had a drummer at the time, and uh, I told him that that was the game plan, and he was totally cool with it. He was like, are you kidding? This would be a wicked experience. My goodness, I can learn so much. And we sent Robert seven songs and said, you pick any two you want. We don't care. And I... Uh, I, I, we didn't know exactly how Striper worked in the past, but Michael is the primary songwriter, so I knew that Robert probably worked within some type of framework. But I told him, I said, that with this project, I, you have free reign with these songs. You can literally play anything your heart desires. And I remember him saying, are you kidding? Are you serious? Like, I can I can really cut loose and do whatever I want? <laughs> okay, all right, yep, anything. So he showed up at the studio, and we did it up. Like, we, we got a VIP room at the Hard Rock. We had a bunch of people. We had a party the night before. Then we went into the studio, and, uh, you know, we just we had all the scratch tracks ready, and we were like, all right, which one do you want to do? And he, he goes, well, how about we do this one? And he picked a song. I, I think it was, uh, it might have been Waking Up the Dead, or I Hate You, one of those two songs. And he blasted through it. And he's like, so what do you think? I go, dude, that's, it's heavier than I expected. Why don't you give it another shot? He's like, you don't want to change it? And I'm like, no, dude, that kills. Uh, I say maybe uh, maybe double up the kick here. And you know, we conversed a little bit, like musicians do in the studio. He laid down the track, and he came back, and he goes, all right, we'll do this one. And we ended up doing all seven. Oh, wow. And he said, you can pick whatever two you want. And we were like, are you sure? He goes, if it was up to me, I'll, I'll play all seven. I love these songs. Like, I'll play all seven of them. So we were like, okay, well, we'll track all seven and we'll just go from there because he was already here. And uh, so he flew back home and then he called me up, uh, like literally, like he must have been home for an hour. <laughs> and I got the phone call and it was like, hey, it's Robert. I was just wondering uh, if, if it's possible. Um, I hear a lot of really good stuff. If I, if I could fly down and crash at your place for a couple weeks, I'd like to just hang out while you guys are at the studio and just give you my two cents as you do the rest of the songs and finish those ones up. And I was like, are you kidding? That'd be freaking awesome. Do it. <laughs> no doubt. So he flew back down, uh, crashed at my place for like, almost three weeks, just going back and forth to the studio. And he started getting involved with, uh, you know, a couple of the songs. Like, what if you had, you know, changed this pre-chorus or, you know, that part's a little complicated. What if you simplify it and bring it down? And he started to get involved just slightly. And we were inviting everything he said and his experience. Why wouldn't we? Right. And, uh, so, after it was all said and done, you know, 
big hugs and thanks so much. Can't wait to see you next time. And he flew back home. And uh, the record was pretty well done. We just had to overdub a couple solos, a couple uh, lead vocal parts. And uh, he flew back home. And the same thing with, he must have been home for like a couple hours. The phone rang. And he's like, hey, it's Robert. And I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And he's like, well, I got a crazy question for you because I know you got a drummer, but he's young and uh, he probably can't tour because he's, uh, you know, still finishing up school. So I just want to throw it at you. Um, I'm interested in joining your band and you can think about it and uh, and give me a call. And I, I was like literally jaw drops because you got to remember, like, striper pencil case, like I already told you, right? Like, yeah first big concert my dad took right. to do a concert. Right. I met Robert Smith backstage. I even showed him this little tiny shirt I had because it's like, uh, you know, a, a child small and it had a, a, a striper drawing that I did on the front of it and the band, whole band signed it and uh, and I took it out. He goes, oh my goodness, you, what were you, 10, 6? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so for me to get a phone call and it's Robert Sweet saying, I would like to join your band like, literally, I was jaw-dropped. I didn't even know what to do with that. I remember saying, just a second, I put the phone down. I said, Rochelle, uh, it's Robert on the phone, and he's asking to join the band. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, long story short, within 24 hours, we had sat the drummer down, basically said, this is what happened. We didn't even ask him to back off. We just told him what happened, and he was like, I'm bowing out. You can't say no to this. So, yeah, within within two weeks, Robert was flying back down. We decided to scrap two or three of the songs so he could be involved with the writing of a few of them. And we finished the record. And then, you know, we got the tour right across the States. We then went through Canada into Florida and back. Got the tour of Europe. Got to experience so much. And, dude, I learned so much because of the relationship with Robert. I got to, you know, meet Irene and Tim and, and learn from them and meet Oz, who's like one of the most down-to-earth guys I know. And, learned from him and then eventually you know getting to like meet and learn from michael who's got like so much experience like we got it, it was just such a blessing to to get educated from experience instead of opinion right i can imagine that's that's such an awesome story i just uh since chills up and down my spine that's cool man uh so the current lineup that you have for blist is yourself sammy jake Russ and Matt, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. And it looks like here, um, the last thing that I could find, um, you guys, I, I saw, well, I got to say, first of all, um, my daughter, uh, she's 17. She helps me with some of this, the production of this, and she reaches out to people for me. She's kind of involved in this in quite a few ways. Um, but cool. she, I had, I was doing some research on you guys. Um, a little further to see what was current with you and all that. And we ran across um, the uh, cover song videos that you had put out. And uh, she heard Black Widow, and she, she said, I'm hooked. She said, I don't know who they are, but I'm hooked. <laughs> and she was in there dancing and singing this song. And so she said, you need to tell him when I talk to him that she's that they have a new fan. I said, I'll let him know. So there's the plug. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, but I, yeah, I, well, you know what? We, we, uh, we did, we recorded the full length. We had it done. We went down another great experience. We, uh, we brought that one down to Tampa and we mixed it, um, down in Tampa with, uh, with the guys that, do they got like golden platinum records all over the studio and we did the mix down there the trans-siberian orchestra sabotage and wow on the band and uh it's so again great experience because i'm an engineer 
So being able to sit down with someone like that and, and get a few tips and some inside scoop, it just sharpened my skills, you know, brought me, uh, brought me up two notches on the ladder probably just being able to work with him for a week and a half. But we finished the record and we were done and we're dealing with a bunch of stuff about how it was going to be released. But the problem is, the world we live in now, everyone's accessing the information instantly. So everyone knew when we started recording. Everyone knew when we were ready to mix. Everyone knew while we were mixing. Because, you know, so, you know, bass player throws up an Instagram and someone else tweets something. And, you know, it, next thing you know, 50 people turns into 100 people. And a bunch of people know exactly where you are at any stage while you're making a record. Right. So we were finished the recording, but it wasn't going to be released. And we're like, oh, man. And people were like, dude, it's done. Where is it? Where is it? What's going on? So we decided, you know, well, we've got the recording studio. Why don't we, uh, why don't we put together a couple tunes? The first one we did we, was the Beatles tune. And uh, so we tracked, we actually tracked a couple Beatles songs. And then we did a couple Zeppelin songs. And uh, just for the fun of it. And we're like, well, let's pick one of them and we'll, we'll throw a video together. We'll jam it out, throw it out there. And just so people are getting something while we're figuring out how the new record's actually going to land. And we dropped that one. And I think, we, yeah, we put it all in our Rigby first, and then we dropped the Immigrant Song. But uh, in the meantime, I, I had, uh, I was talking with someone, and they were talking about a specific uh, artist. And I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but it's an artist that uh, I appreciate the skill, and I appreciate, you know, his success. But the guy just seems like a real clown. Like, he's always putting his foot in his mouth and saying stupid things. <laughs> and we were talking about this specific artist. And then the person said, well, you couldn't rap if you wanted to. I was like, yes, I could. So uh, that's where Black Widow came from, because we're like, well, well, let's pick a song. We're going to do a song where I get to rap in it. And uh, <laughs> we thought with Black Widow, was, well, it was high on the charts. That, uh, to be honest, that's the reason we grabbed it. It had a good hook, and it was charting at the time. And we're like, yeah, let's do this one. But it was the lyric content was so strongly written from the girl's point of view. I can't sing this. I'm gonna look like a weirdo. So, <laughs> I figured, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll rewrite some of the content so it's from the guy in the relationship. It's from his point of view, and we'll take it one step further because she's really angry at this guy in the song. He's mistreated her, and you know he's she's not happy about it. So I decided to to do the little twist on the lyric and write it from the guy's point of view, where he's realized that he's been an idiot. So it, it's all—it's not an apology song. It's more of like I realize now why you're angry. That—that that was kind of where we came from. And I won't lie, man. When I got into the studio, I thought this is going to be a joke. This is going to be so easy. It was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I—I ha I had to work on it for uh, for a few days actually, just to, to you know to find that the polyrhythms and and be able to to move that quick. And but it was awesome fun. And it's funny because when it was all said and done, the guys were like, "Oh, we should put rap in a couple songs, dude. That was way too cool." <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, but it, <laughs> so just good times, you know. Just it's the one thing when when music is also what you do, you, you're always at risk of losing the fun because it's your it's your job, right? You're it's like I we need to get this done by this date, or you know we have to do this, and you're always at risk of you know the fun disappearing and it just being work. Right. And being able to you know, just sit back and, you know, crush a Led Zeppelin song or, you know, <laughs> throw out Black Widow and, uh, and and literally do it because it's fun. That's that's such a cool story, man. That's great. I, I, the, uh, 
I know I've seen you know a couple of those, and and quite honestly, they're they're some of my favorite videos you guys have done because you guys seem really relaxed, like you are, like you said, just having fun. That's what it looks like, you know. It's uh, yeah, it, it's well, and, neat. and that's what it is. Like when we shoot those videos, you know, we 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 got two guys in the room with us, and we just play the song. We have fun. All right, we're going to take a break right here. Right now, we're going to listen to a new song off of Bliss' new album, Wicked Little Dragons. And this song is called Blood is Thicker Than Water, Part 2.
right. Let's see here. The uh, album Wicked Little Dragons. That is that is the new release. That's the new release. Okay. I was kind of going through some of that. I wanted to ask about can you talk a little bit about it, or is that something that you don't want to talk yeah. about right now? Okay, let's let's that talk Wicked, a little bit about well, that then. Yeah, well, because you had talked about, you know, the fact that there is there is a newer lineup, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll, 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 the lineup change didn't happen all at once. And, and it's kind of funky because uh, we, we were a four-piece forever, and at, at a point probably, I don't know, a year and a half, two and a half, somewhere in there, in, in the last couple of years, I wanted to pull back playing guitar live a little bit more and be able to just do the frontman thing. And there's still a couple of songs now that I will pull it out so I can, you know, there's, there's some of the songs um, are, are way more advanced and with a, a, a nice tight rhythm and, you know, dual guitar soloing and we want to be able to play it live so I'll throw a guitar on so there'll be three guitars on stage for those ones but that was the idea was to, to do the five piece so we introduced a new member with that and over the process we did we did some lineup change because Jeff original member um, had had some personal and family stuff and he just he wanted to keep through the band thing but he couldn't tour he couldn't go on the road so he stepped back and then the same thing happened with Nate so we kind of went through a transition and at the same time became a five piece. So it was, uh, it was fairly dramatic what we were able to do introducing the new guitar and Jake Taylor, our lead guitar player to say he's good would be an understatement. Like he's, he's ridiculous. Good. He and seems very, I, I met him. He, I'm sorry. He seems very, very phenomenal from what I've seen, you know, oh, uh, on some of his videos. I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed. So, with, yeah. yeah, when people hear Wicked Little Dragons, he's he's definitely the you know you, you run into them every once in a while, and they're just don't get me wrong. There's a lot of fantastic guitar players out there, but then there's that once one in a hundred thousand that are it's like ridiculous good. And how I met him actually, uh, I I was engineering a project, and he was coming in to play guitar, and it was like a high school project where they had written a song, he had wrote the song, and then he was playing lead guitar, and he was in the other room warming up, and I'm in the, I'm at the board with the teacher and a couple of the other students, and I said to the teacher, I'm like, how how old is he? Because, I mean, like, he was ripping it up, and on clean guitar, we're talking no distortion, just, like, ripping it up, and I'm talking, like, like brutally fast, perfectly clean, and then he'd stop and he'd kind of do some like jazzy stuff with chords. And I'm like, how old is he? And he goes, I, I think he's, uh, he's 17. And I was like, holy smokes. I go, what's he like? And he, he goes, well, what do you mean? I go, does he realize how good he is? Because when you're that good and you're a kid, you know, sometimes you walk around thinking you are it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he's the most humble, awesome person you'll meet. So when he came back in, I said, Jake, how long have you been playing? And he goes, I know I got to work on it a little more. I said, no, I need to know how long you've been playing. He goes, I've been playing for seven months. Oh man. And I was like, uh, are you kidding me? And he's like, I know, I know I got to buckle down. I go, dude, you play like you've been playing for 35 years. Like uh, you're unbelievable. And he's like, what? I, uh, okay. And I said, yeah, give me your name and number. And, uh, if there's any projects that come through and they need a session player, dude, I will call you in. I'll get you some money as a session player. Now, my intent right from the get-go was to get him to audition <laughs> because he was, like, phenomenal. 
So when we did this switch to a five-piece and he was in the band, it opened up so many doors because, like, he's lit- like, I'll, we would sit down and say, hey, this is an idea I've got. And I, there are things that I, I imagine I can't even dream of my hands ever doing them. And I'm thinking, well, he might be able to come closer. He'll do a variation. And he just does it. And every time I've thrown something at him, no matter how absolutely insane it is, he just pulls it off. Like, it's insane. Like, the guy's unbelievable. So with the five-piece, with him, and then when, when, when Matt became the new drummer, again, he, he delivers something different and unique. So for Wicked Little Dragons, the door was flung wide open to just, like, reach for the stars when it came, came to the, the music. And I had always wanted to do, like, a concept record. So, like, the whole collection of songs is a story when you listen to it. And uh, so that's what I did. I, I, I wrote the content being a, a concept record, and we cut uh, 14 tracks. It's, it's actually a very long release. And uh, I, I decided at that time, you know, especially going through the transition and having a new lineup where I just looked at it, it's like, you know what? This could be the last record I ever make. This could be my last chance at putting something out as Glyph. So no bars held. Like, just go for it. All out. So that's what we did. And we, we went, like, all out. And there's songs on there that in previous years I would have loved to do but I've never dreamed to actually pull it off. There's, there's a song that is literally, uh, it's a piano ballad. It's piano, vocals, and some strings. I would never dream of doing that on a Bliss record, but with this record, it's fit. And there's we've got a couple of these epic songs that are, you know, six and a half, seven minutes long with ridiculously long solo sections and very, very complex arrangements. We always tried to write four-minute hooks in the past, and this one is like, you know what? If it's what helps convey the story, it's the right emotion, no, nothing to hold us back this time. So, yeah, I'm really proud of Wicked Little Dragons. I think... Uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. Now, I've noticed that it looks like you have um, something up for this album that kind of steps you through just sections of each song and kind of maybe what yeah. that song was about. Yeah. Is that what I'm seeing here? Yeah, well, we, we've got... There's a handful of... Uh, we've got some... Well, I, I call them fans, but these are friends. These are people that we've met on the road who... They're more than fans. They're, they're people that we, we stay at their homes when we're on the road. They've, they've promoted shows. They come to shows. And there's lots of them, like, you know, a few hundred people that are like, they're more than fans. They're, they're friends who happen to be fans. And a lot of them knew what was happening as we made the record. And when it was done, they were like, when we get to hear, when we get to hear. And then we'd, we'd drop little snippets and we'd, you know, send a premix to a couple people and, and just make sure that, you know, they know we care, that, you know, they actually care about our music. We want them to know that we know. They, we, we're not taking it for granted. Right. But when, when things were being delayed and, you know, it's, it's the industry, you don't have a uh, Sometimes the band just doesn't have a choice on certain things, and it's just a fact. Right, right. So uh, a lot of them were like, well, we've, we've heard a couple of the songs because we, we put them on the Reverb Nation site or whatever, and uh, what's the story? What's the story? because everyone knew that it was a concept record in this group of people. So I decided, you know what, this, what's the harm to put the lyrics out there? So that's what we did. What I, I did is I, I gave the web guy all, all the lyrics with uh, 
So on the site that you're at, wickedlittledragons.com, which you can access through our Facebook page, through our regular website, you know, blissrocks.com, they all kind of lead to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that that one right now, more will be introduced as the record gets released, but right now you can, uh, you can basically read through the lyrics and mixed in with the lyrics, you know, it's all italic, so you can tell what is part of the lyric and what isn't. You can read the entire story of the Wicked Little Dragons record there. Pretty sweet. Encourage everybody listening to this to check that out. And uh, if you need to back up and get those sites again, check that out because um, there's some really, really cool stuff on here. So uh, very interesting how this goes along with the song and everything. So uh, check that out. So are you involved in any other projects? I, I kind of listening to you talk, do you do a lot of engineering recording for other people too? I, I do a bit. Basically... Back in the day when we were uh, we were graduating from the basement to kind of original touring band, um, we just couldn't afford to track at a studio because we wanted to take our time and do it right. And you know, when, like most musicians, you know, we're not swimming in money, so uh, we had slowly put together a studio that eventually became a pretty legit recording studio. You, you know, Nate and I literally, you know, dug a foundation and built a thousand square foot addition onto my place. And uh, we we built a proper studio, floating isolation rooms, the whole deal. And uh, we did it with the intent on, you know, being able to track records for very little money without having to, you know, create huge budgets. We could continue to make music. Right. And, uh, but it, it, it automatically turned into more than that because, you know, in, in any area when word gets out that there's a half decent studio people start calling so you know we put business cards together yeah and it turned into uh it turned into a, a side business so to speak um, definitely done quite a few projects varying styles which is always exciting and having a great time doing it uh some video projects doing dvds and stuff like that and some music videos just uh just enjoying creating you know what i mean like sure. creating music and things that go with it definitely always involved with more things than I have hours to do, to be quite honest. Right, right. Now, do you co-write with other people, too? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. I, I, a, lot of, a lot of bands that come in, uh, I, try, I try not to, unless they've asked for it. If someone said, hey, will you help produce, then, then of course, you know, then you're, you're part of the team. If you're just an engineer, uh, I'll usually, who, you can always find who the leader is in a band, after like working with them for 20 minutes and then you could just say listen I, I never want to overstep my bounds what is it you, how involved do you want me to be and then I'll play with whatever those parameters are and with some bands it's you know maybe may uh, you know helping them fine tune a melody you know with some bands it might be you know helping them arrange the song and then with other bands it's being able to sit down and write with them but it's always different and uh, sure. it's whatever they want sure so what is the future, do you think, for Blist? I mean, I, I heard you mention earlier, uh, you kind of passively said, you know, this might be the last album you get to do with Blist. Is that, I mean, do you have future plans, or are you just playing it album by album? What kind of, what's your plan? Oh, no, I have, uh, you know, no, I have lots of plans. Okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, definitely, when I said, when I said it, it, I want to approach every recording like it may be the last, I don't mean by my choice. I mean, it's just a simple fact. You know, I had never, in, in a million years, I never thought that I would be working in a band without Nathan and Jeff. Right. I never right. thought it would ever happen. I thought we were lifers. But you know what? Sometimes life takes you down paths you didn't expect, and that's what happened. 
and that's what I mean. So I, I, I came to a point where I realized, even though I'm a little bit of a control freak and I hold the reins, it doesn't mean you're in control. You know what? I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just one little part, and, uh, and, and God does uh, a lot of things you don't expect very often in life. So that's that's what I meant. Gotcha. I want I never want to. I want. I never want to be able to look back and say, "I wish I would have." I don't want to have any of those regret scenarios. So that's what I meant when I said, "If this was our last, I want to be able to say I went for it. I, I did everything I wanted to do with that recording. I didn't cut back because I didn't think oh, the radio might like not like that, or you know, our fans might think that's too." too mellow or, or that's too heavy or whatever. It's just like gotcha. we're going for this and we're going for it 100%. I but we still want to respect what our, our friends and fans expect from us now. Sure. But at the same time, yet yeah, no regrets. Uh, but loads of plans. And and you know what? I, I think it, it deserves being said because for all I know, I, I'm going to have some friends who, who listen to this. And some of them are, you know, partially on the inside when it comes to what's happening with the record. But the bottom line is, the only reason it's not out yet is because we're working with another company, and I've always had a dream for this recording since the day I uh, started on it. And and the first bit of this album actually came from a dream. Like, I literally dreamt of the cover, a bunch of the lyric content, and two of the songs are almost entirely on the record exactly like I dreamt them. Like, I woke up and wrote it down, ran to the studio, literally, and went from dream to song. Wow. And I've never had that happen before. It was just a cool experience. But when I had that in my head, I wanted there to be a music video for every track on the on the on the CD. So if there's 14 tracks on the CD, I wanted 14 music videos. So then if you play the music videos back to back to back to back, they would tell the story. But if you play them individually, they would stand on their own as a as a as a music video that you would, you know, see on, you know, a music video show. Right. Or, you know, flashing through YouTube. So you're doing and 14... And company... I'm sorry, you're doing 14 videos for this then, too? Well, that that's just it. When we finally found a company that, uh, that believed in the idea and said, you know what, we will do this with you. Wow. So that's, that's what's being done. And that's... Uh, and when you're doing a production of... 14 music videos, but it's not just, you know, hey, let's jam out the songs music videos. You know, there's there's a little bit of acting involved. There's some, there's actors who have, have you know, there's certain characters that continue on through. Now, of course, we've utilized the fact that the band portrays certain characters within this story because the story is about a band. So that made it quite easy. But it's still a massive undertaking that, uh, that we're, we're trying to put together and we're very happy. Fresh Air is the name of the company. They're a company that's just launching and they're the ones who are getting behind the idea. And it's also, uh, it's just mind blowing, exciting that what I kind of woke up from a dream and had this idea birthed in me is actually happening because I thought, you know, we'll finish the record. We'll shoot a couple videos and we'll put it out and we'll do what we normally do. And, uh, no, it's like we're being blessed to actually do uh, the, the full dream on it. Wow! I am in the process. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I am super excited. I cannot wait to to see this stuff and hear it. it <laughs> I'm super excited. Well, yeah, dude, we're, we're we're stoked. Like we're we're off the charts excited. 
And it's funny because this company, um, the music industry has changed so dramatically in the last decade that it's, it's, it's unrecognizable from what it was when I started doing this 10 years ago. Like, it's, it's, it's not the same thing. That, that old industry, that dinosaur, is, it's dead. It doesn't exist anymore. And we, I was at the point where, you know, is, is, there, is there even an industry to keep moving forward with and through? Like, does it even exist anymore? Mm-hmm. Or should we, like, completely change how this is done? And we actually sat down and, like, really thought about it. You know, I, I watched the Artifact, that 30 Seconds from Mars documentary, and, and uh, just like, was like, wow, like, disillusioned by what I had already learned, and then it was just, you know, magnified by watching that. And just sat down and got together with the next rehearsal with the guys and said, I came up with a manifesto. And they were like, you came up with a what? And I was like, I don't think we need to approach what it is that we do with Bliss anymore like we used to. I don't think we should be thinking the same way. We kind of broke it down. What, what Bliss is really about is about a relationship with the people that listen to what we create. It's, we've never been the type of band where it's like, you know, make a record, create product, build fan base, force the product on them, and then finish the tour, do it again. We've always been a band that, and we're out there, you know, we want to be with people. It's not just to play for the people and hopefully they'll spend money. We actually care about people, and, and that's why I do what I do. That's why I write the lyrics that I choose to write. And, uh, so this manifesto that I came up with, it was very interesting because it was different than what the record industry normally does financially and how the business is handled. And when I talked with Joe from Fresh Air and told him the dream, it's amazing because he said, I need to send you something. And he emailed me their business model and it was our manifesto. It's identical. And I was like, this is a godsend. Like, I can't believe I found someone on the business side who is not only believing in what we want to do, and even though it's crazy, and probably won't even uh, turn around what it's going to take to pull off, um, he doesn't care. He believes in it and says, I want to support it and make it happen. But on top of that, the fact that the business side of things is exactly what we were hoping and dreaming we could create on our own. It was just like, all right, this is this is just beyond words. This is incredible. So even though it's taking much longer than we wanted, and we apologize to anyone who's been impatiently waiting, um, we will make it up to you. But uh, it, that's the reason, and this is the first time it's actually been publicly fully explained. But that's the reason because we're we're taking on a giant monster of a of a project, and we are like more than halfway through that side of it. The record's completely done video stuff is moving forward and uh it, it's super exciting wow no wonder you're so busy man <laughs> kind of understand it a lot more now goodness yeah yeah it's uh it, it's so awesome though like dude I, I i like i said i'm beside myself i can't wait for people not only to hear it but also to, to experience it because it's it's like a it's like a full thing now but when you said about the future because this is taking so long and often there's there's nothing that we can do physically, you know, as the five band members. We can't do nothing. So we've been we've been writing recording. We've got like I know it's the last thing if you're if you're a Bliss fan that you want to hear to know that this is the fact, but 
like we got two more records recorded. Like we've got we've got literally like thirty three songs or thirty five songs recorded right now. Wow! On top goodness. of Wicked Little Dragon. <laughs> goodness gracious! Yeah, we're we're ready with like two two more full releases almost. They're not like you know mixed and mastered, but we're talking like some of them actually are mixed, and all of them are like like tracked and ready for mix. If not, like it's uh, we've got a ton of material here. Wow, that's exciting, though. I mean, to know, uh, uh, being a Bliss fan myself, you know, to to know that you that you've got that much out, you you know that that's exciting. That's that's a good thing to hear. There, so it's funny, we, I said to Joe, uh, the the guy from Fresh Air, I, I told him, I said, you know, when I when I told him the the idea of the the music videos becoming, not, I would, I don't, I'm very nervous to use the word movie because it's not a movie. It doesn't move like a movie. It moves like 14 music videos that tell a story, and that's a very different thing than putting together a movie. But at the same time, it tells the story. And I told him, I said, it's funny, if you want me to throw another crazy challenge at you, I think that uh, the general population has a very short attention span now, and I'd like to cater to that. And he said, well, what exactly do you mean? I said, well, we put this record out when it's finally in their hands, and they've got 14 music videos, 14 new songs, Every six to eight weeks, I want to give them something new, whether it be a new cover song, a remix of one of our older tunes, or an acoustic version. Every six weeks, I want to drop something new into their hands. So when you buy the record, we're not sure exactly how we're going to facilitate it yet, but when you buy the record, you're going to become part of a you know, a specific club, so to speak, you know, a, a group, and you, every six to eight weeks, you're going to get something for free, a new song in some way for the life of the record. Wow. Awesome. And then and then I wanted to instead of doing the whole make a record two years later or put out a new one two years, I said, I'd like to drop a new record within the year for three in a row. And he was like, So fourteen song D V D slash C D and then every six to eight weeks you're gonna give him something new for the life of the record and then within a year you're gonna drop a new one, and then within another year you're gonna drop another new one. I said, Yes, that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "You're you're crazy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. On a little more serious note, I I know that a lot of artists like to talk about their faith and how they got to where they're at in their in their faith right now. Would you care to share a little bit about your beginnings and and how it got you to where you're at today with Blist? Well, you know what? For me, I, I grew up uh, with a Catholic school, was, uh, you know, immersed in that. When you go to Catholic school, you're around, you know, that doctrine, you're around going to church and all that stuff. But there was no, how do I say it? There was no depth to it for me. There was no connection. It was all just motions. And uh, I think it was my, yeah, it was. And my little sister went to some type of a crusade and started going to Sunday school at a, at a church, uh, and then my brother started going, and my mother started going. Now, I was probably, I guess it was like maybe eighth grade, so for me, it was like, ah, I'm going to start going to church, that's not cool. And uh, <laughs> But then, they would just ask questions, and, and, they, and it, they knew the way my brain worked, and I was an analytical mind, so they would ask questions, and, and then I'd be like, okay, well, something it doesn't make sense about this, and I'd I'd ask at school in, like, religion class or whatever, and eventually they got really frustrated with me because I was always uh, questioning everything at that point because it started to feel like, 
what I'd been told going all the way through school up to the eighth grade, it, it didn't have any substance. And uh, my parents had split up, and you know, you're, you're, whether you recognize it or not when you're a kid, you're still broken in some way by that. It affects you. So for me, I, I had an issue that I didn't trust God because I didn't trust my father because of that experience. And, uh, and I went to, uh, again, it was some type of a, a crusade at that church, and uh, it was basically it was the first time I was introduced to the concept of, you know, that Christ came for our sins, and that's the bridge that sends you towards heaven. And I didn't understand that concept, because when you grow up with the Catholic doctrine, there, it, it, it doesn't explain it that simply. There's lots of other things involved. And, uh, and when I accepted that, when, when that became part of my life, and I was like, okay, I, I get this now. I get it that Christ is a Savior. It's, it, it was a different step. It changed everything for me. And I, I, was in, I grew up in a, in a... The neighborhood I grew up in was really rough for a couple of years. It, it ended up being pretty cool, but I mean, really rough. Like, I carried a weapon because I was afraid rough. Wow. And, uh, and that relationship that developed with, with God and through Christ for me, it, it brought me to a different place, literally. Like, I did not hang out with the same people. I did not do the same things they were doing. And it saved my life. I've got a lot of friends that I grew up with who either ended up in jail or dead. And I'm no different than them. I'm no better than them, that's for sure. But because of my relationship with God, I was just not in the places that allowed me to fall that far. And literally, God saved me. My relationship, my Christianity saved me, physically and spiritually. And I've, I've been at that same church literally my entire life. So since the eighth grade till now, I'm still at the same church. And, uh, and that's, it's at the core of my life. It's, it's who I am. It's not what I do. It's not what I believe, although those things are both true. It's who I am now. Well, man, that is an awesome testimony, and I just want to thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'd like to go ahead and play the song Dear God off of your new album. This is going to be, I believe, your first single that you said you were going to have. So we're going to go ahead and put that on right now. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Well, listen, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Do you have anything uh, in addition, anything you'd like to say to the fans, Any kind of you know, anything you want them to know before, before we go our separate ways? If you're fans, you kind of know what we're all about. And you know that, uh, that all we really care about is putting together good, good, entertaining music, putting on very entertaining shows. And because I write the lyrics, it, it's always going to be, in, you know, injected with truth and hope. Because that's what we're about. And I know that a lot of people have seen us and, uh, and they know that, you know, there's this whole debate of, you know, Christians in secular bands or, you know, um, is it a Christian band or isn't it? You know, there's so many different conversations that take place about that. I think most of them are quite silly myself. I'm just being honest and transparent. But a lot of people know that within, within this band, I'm the primary songwriter. I, I write all the lyrics and I'm a born again Christian. Christ is at the center of my life and that, that's how our music will always be delivered. Fear not, I hold the reins, and uh, <laughs> I will always deliver exactly what you've come to expect. Um, and the other thing is as well, I know it's taken long, but go to the websites, please just enjoy what, what we've got up there. We're going to continue to keep throwing stuff up, and uh, it, it will be worth the wait. I promise it will be worth the wait. Excellent, man. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for... for uh getting with me tonight i know we played phone tag for a while but uh it's definitely been a blessing to to uh be able to talk to you tonight and find out a little bit more about you and what's going on with blist and i wish you guys luck and success and uh blessings on all of you and i hope to see you out on the road sometime soon very soon very very soon all right man awesome thank you so much all right dave hey!